Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Friday, July 8th. This will be episode 95, so we're closing in on that 100th episode. Very pleased and proud that I've made it this far, and I hope you're enjoying everything that we're bringing to you here on the show. Next week, I'm going to have some more great guests, including Tom Luongo back to talk specifically about not only what's going on geopolitically in the world, but what's going on with the Fed, the repo markets, excess reserves, all kinds of moving parts with the way the Fed operates today as opposed to the way it operated 15 years ago before the last big financial crisis. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. Today, I just wanted to spend a little time on what's going on post-Supreme Court EPA decisions, the decision on the New York State gun regulations, and a course on Roe versus Wade, and specifically that one. I've been doing quite a bit of writing for both the public and my paid subscribers, And incidentally, you can now become a subscriber on Substack. I finally got that up and running. So in addition to Patreon, if you prefer Substack, I'm there. Uh, All of this can be found at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. So I hope you'll consider becoming a supporter of the show in one way or another. But as far as this Roe versus Wade decision is concerned, the news today is that President Biden is just openly saying this is the wrong decision and that it's not based on the Constitution. So that's fine. I'm all for presidents having their own take on the Supreme Court's decisions and as well as the Congress. They can all consider something unconstitutional or constitutional, have their own interpretation. That's what Andrew Jackson said. But they still have to obey court rulings. Now, Biden has signed an executive order, and I'm sure that this is going to cause some hysteria like he's legislating or violating his oath by using an executive order 
to countermand the court's decision. Now, when you read the order, and I've just read an article about the order, what it's going to come down to is he can't do all that much. He can direct federal agencies to do a few things. And he says that this is not going to be the remedy. I'll just give you a few details out of the NBC News article about this executive order. And I'll post a link to this article, of course, on the show notes page. But it says that the order directs the Department of Health and Human Services to boost access to abortion pills and protect access to emergency medical care and family planning services, including various types of contraception, the White House said. And then it goes on to say, still, Biden emphasized that the quickest way to undo the Supreme Court decision would be to pass a law in Congress legalizing abortion access, a move that Democrats currently do not have enough votes for. And then here's a quote from Biden himself. If you want to change the situation for women and even little girls in this country, please go out and vote. So obviously he wants to make this a midterm election issue and hope to undercut the predicted red wave. I'm, I'm skeptical about the red wave only because they've been talking about it for so long that I'm, I'm afraid there's going to be a surprise. I kind of think about it like, you know, in, investors, when they say I'm a contrarian, if everybody's thinking one thing, I think the other. So I'm, I'm hoping for a red wave, not because I'm in love with the Republican party, but because Historically, as I've written about before, and you may have caught my appearance on the Michael Savage show talking about, historically, government grows the least with a Democratic president and a Republican Congress that hates his guts. So I put up charts to show, at least as far as spending goes, if you're going to get slower increases in spending, which is all we can hope for, then you want a Democratic president and a Republican Congress. When you have Republicans all the way across the board, that's when spending goes up the most, when you have a Republican president and a Republican Congress. Sorry, that's just the facts. And at least in post-World War II, that's, those are the facts. But getting back to this executive order, of course, it's not going to overturn what the court has done here, nor is it going to probably undermine any state laws prohibiting abortion or restricting abortion. But I want to make clear also that what he says is the real remedy, and he's trying to sound here like he's, you know, obeying the Constitution and the law, is for Congress to pass a law. But Congress can't do this either. Okay, the Supreme Court found that this is not a power, and I mean regulating abortion, that is within the federal government's purview. This is something that under the 10th Amendment is reserved to the states. So no, Congress cannot just pass a law and now abortion is legal. This is not a matter that the court merely usurped the legislative power from Congress. It's that the court usurped the legislative power and the, and the sovereignty over this issue from the states. So we'll have to see what happens if you know the, the, uh, an abortion law ever does make its way through Congress. I have to think it's going to end up back in the Supreme Court again. And if the court applies reasoning like it did in this case, 
then it's going to have to strike down that congressional law as well. And just a bit of history on this, and if you've listened to some of my discussions with Kevin Gutzman or read his excellent book, James Madison and the Making of America, then you know that Congress overturning a state law is something that was actually discussed at the Constitutional Convention. This is something James Madison wanted. He wanted the federal Congress to have a veto power over state laws. And and if you read uh, Kevin Gutzman's book, or if you just go back and look at Madison's notes or Robert Yates' notes on the Constitutional Convention, you'll see that Madison brought this up multiple times. It almost became like a comedy. When I was reading Gutzman's book, I was thinking about Dr. Evil with the ch- with the shush that he does to his son. And then after a while, it's just like the, the, the son can't even get the first words of his, his question out before he gets the shh. And I've got a whole bag of here, you know, with your name on it. I've got a whole bag of with your name on it. So that's what it was like. James Madison kept bringing this up. It keeps getting voted down, you know, 51 to three or some hugely lopsided number. And on the last day of the convention, I believe it was the last day or the second last day, he tries to bring it up one last time, and the vote against it is unanimous. Even his own voted against this because they were so sick of hearing Madison bring this up. It was such a settled issue. And apart from how funny it is, if you look at it that way when you read this, there was nothing clearer coming out of that convention than that Congress could not overturn state laws. And of course, as we know, there has been no amendment to the Constitution since giving Congress that power. And that's really why in the 20th century, people who wanted to get around the Constitution started going to the court. And the court, being mostly liberal for most of that century, was very disposed to accommodate them. In fact, I think and I'm just going on memory here from one of my conversations with Kevin Goodsman. I think it was something like from 1937 till 1995, not a single federal law was found unconstitutional. So we'll have to see. But And I've, I've heard on some of my friends' podcasts as well, other libertarian podcasts, even kind of musing about this, wondering if things would be different if Congress passed a law. No, this is not within the purview of the federal government. Congress passing a law would be just as unconstitutional as the Supreme Court Roe versus Wade decision was found to be. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you're enjoying the content here at Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can support my efforts a couple of ways by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts of every episode as well as access to my members-only MeWe group or become an all-access patron and get my paid subscriber-only articles and videos. You can even become a VIP patron to get all of that plus a free copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there, and you can find links to all of the above 
at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now let's get back to our episode. So that is not the answer. The answer is either an amendment to the Constitution that establishes a right to have an abortion, or you fight in your state. Now, I'm in New York, so this decision to overturn Roe versus Wade has actually given New York State more latitude in how liberal they can make regulation of abortion. It's actually removed the only constraints that there were on what laws that they can pass, because a lot of people don't realize that the Roe versus Wade decision didn't just overturn state laws prohibiting abortion, it wrote all kinds of rules. I mean, they really went to town in this one, and this is why even some liberal pro-abortion attorneys admit that Roe versus Wade was just a terrible decision legally. It just, there was, there's no basis for a court to go in and say, well, we find that there's a right to have an abortion, but after the second trimester, after the second trimester, you can only do this or that or the other thing. I mean, this was just a complete buffoonery really from a constitutional or legal standpoint, regardless of how you feel about the issue of what your policy preferences would be. The court's job there was not to decide what the right policy should be. It was merely to decide whether the federal constitution gave the federal government the power to regulate in this area. And if you've listened to the previous podcasts on this, you know that it's very convoluted to get there in the first place. Obviously, there's nothing mentioned in the constitution. You have to believe this incorporation doctrine which greatly expanded the reach of the federal government during the 20th century. There was decision after decision that was based on the idea that the due process language, specifically mentioning liberty in the federal constitution, had somehow or other made the whole Bill of Rights applicable to the states, where the federal government could now strike down state laws based on violating the the Federal Bill of Rights. So this was something new in the progressive era that nobody ever considered before that was something that a power that the federal government had. As I've mentioned in some of my writing recently, if you go through all the state constitutions, they all have their own bills of rights and they all have these individual protections of due process, trial by jury, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, Most of them have a protection for the right to keep and bear arms. So they wouldn't have these things in their own constitutions if the federal constitution and the federal Bill of Rights were supposed to be applicable to the states. And I think in one of my articles, I can't remember which one, I even pointed out as an example Nebraska, whose constitution wasn't ratified till the 1870s has all these protections in there. Now, 
This is almost a century after the Federal Bill of Rights was ratified. They wouldn't have to put in a right to protect free speech, let's say, or trial by jury in the Nebraska Constitution in 1875 if those rights were already protected by the Federal Bill of Rights. The only reason they did that was because they understood that the Federal Bill of Rights did not apply to state laws. So innovation in the 20th century by progressive judges, justices of the Supreme Court, to start striking down state laws on the grounds that they violated the Bill of Rights of the U.S. Constitution was just an end around, a way to get that power that was firmly rejected at the Constitutional Convention for Congress to have, well, they found a way for the court to get that very thing that nobody, not only did nobody ever agree to, but they that they firmly and vehemently disagreed to unanimously on the last vote. So we'll see where the whole idea of Congress passing a law goes. I mean, right now it's not going anywhere, as Biden himself admits. And if we get this big Republican landslide in November or even just Republican majorities, it's probably not going anywhere either. I mean, for that matter, if we just remain with the status quo, if it's not going anywhere now, then it won't be going anywhere then. So I think the last thing that I'd like to say about this decision, all of the recent Supreme Court decisions, and I've written about this, you can go to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com to get even more of my thinking on this. But what the court has done, held in the most positive light, is start to turn the ship a little away from just unlimited expansion of government power back towards some kind of constitutional limit on what the federal government can do. And whether you support a woman's right to have an abortion or whether you think it's an unjustified homicide, I think the court's decision here is the best that we could hope for on this very divisive issue. Because for all of my adult life, people have been very, very animated about this. Both sides think they're absolutely right. Neither side can live with just the court deciding, well, one size fits all. So if you're in a state like New York where it's a majority Democrat, a majority of people think that this is something that ought to be allowed, I mean, you're going to get even more liberal laws because the constraints from Roe versus Wade are lifted. And if you're somebody who is very strongly against abortion and believes literally that this is murder, well, if you're in a state that the majority of the people think that, then you're going to get the laws that you want. Now, is that perfect? Of course not, because there's minorities in each state that are not going to get what they want and are going to feel that a great injustice is being done on either side. This, like all of the other decisions that have come out recently, except for the New York State gun decision, and I'll, I'll just say one word about that in a minute, but these are all steering us towards live and let live. That, you know, if you believe in Republican government, a lot, a lot of people like to say democracy or our democracy. We don't have a democracy. We have a republic, which means you elect representatives 
Okay. And they're actually just supposed to do what they think is right. And all you're supposed to decide by voting is who the best people to decide what's right are. So, I mean, just that little clarification. And then, of course, in the federal constitution, there's all kinds of other limits to what they can do. But at the state level, not so many, just the bills of rights in each state constitution. But if you believe in any kind of majority vote system of government, this is the best that we can do. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. How could I think about love with a girl like you? We adopt a live and let live attitude. And of course, as long as travel and relocation remain free in the United States, something, by the way, that the central powers are trying to discourage as much as possible. But as long as we remain free to move and free to travel within the states, then at least there's a safety valve for the minorities who want to go somewhere else and live under a different set of rules. Moving to France and learning a new language. By the way, France's abortion laws are very strict. There was a whole brouhaha on Twitter from some actress saying she was in France where they have good croissants and and women's rights or something like that. And it turns out, like, if you live in France, the laws there are going to be more like if you lived in Texas or Alabama or something like that. But that's an aside. But even the EPA decision, all of these decisions are steering us towards limiting the fiat power of the executive, number one, saying that Congress has to pass laws. You know, the president can't just write any laws he wants via these administrative agencies. So at least somebody's in there voting that supposedly represents you. And then number two, that there are certain things that are just reserved to the states, that we are not this one big homogenous collective where everybody in the United States thinks like Elizabeth Warren, okay? That's just not what we are. Anyone who's traveled, and I've traveled to most of the states on business in the last 20 years, knows that the West Coast of Florida is nothing like downtown Boston, Massachusetts, or midtown Manhattan, or St. Paul, Minnesota, 
or Boise, Idaho. I mean, we have a lot of different cultures here. And the way we were able to live in peace for so long, relative peace, is because those different cultures were to a large extent allowed to self-govern, to write rules that appealed to the people that lived in that area, more or less. And as the federal government has more and more tried to impose one set of values over this very diverse set of countries. And, you know, one thing I did, I looked up on Google Maps how far it was from Paris, France to Belgrade, Serbia. And it was something like 1,400 miles. Okay. About nobody believes that the people in Paris, France think anything like the people in Belgrade, Serbia, or thinks that they should make all the decisions for these people so far away. Well, it's actually 2,400 miles, so 1,000 miles further from Washington, D.C. to Boise, Idaho. So I know it's more than distance. People say, well, they're all Americans. And well, again, this idea they're all Americans, that was never the case. That was not the case in 1775, where it was just one kind of culture across even those 13 colonies that are all on the East Coast. Even then, the cultures were different. And even then, they thought that they needed to have a federal system and not a national one. So just imagine now we have this humongous continent with all kinds of different people in it. There's just no reason why everybody has to follow the same set of rules on all these minute details for day-to-day life. So I'm saying that federalism could save us and get us out of what a lot of people say is the track to a civil war. I don't know if it ever becomes a shooting war, but I can tell you myself that I can remember a time when everybody didn't hate each other in America. And the way we get out of that and get back to some semblance of civility is through federalism, is through doing what the court has just started to do and not done enough of, and that is curb this tendency for the federal government to sweep up power over everything. So I'll leave it there for today. Everybody have a great weekend. Again, next week I'll have Tom Luongo. I'm working on a few other guests that aren't confirmed. And I'm also working on Tom DiLorenzo on his great new book, Politically Incorrect Guide to Economics. You know, Tom writes so well on history that sometimes we forget he is a professor of economics at a university, or he was, I think he retired. And I uh, can't wait to talk about that book and others. So lots of great stuff coming up next week on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Don't forget to stop by TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash supporter and consider becoming a supporter of my efforts here. And as always, if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.